You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. It's a frigid week out there. That polar vortex, that bomb cyclone, the winter hurricane, it's already hit, and it's only supposed to get colder over the course of the next few days. We're going to warm things up for you tonight. That much I can tell you. It will be as hot as the core of Chernobyl (laughs) here in our studio tonight. Absolutely. Welcome to TPC, second show of the year, and the bombs are already dropping, literally and figuratively. Figuratively on the show tonight, we have got a... True trifecta. Uh, a real blockbuster. Now, uh, we'll tell you, Augustus Invictus Esquire will be on with us the first hour. Now, he's not some old Roman that's come back to life. Tell us about it. Well, he's a, well, he's a great story there of, of uh, loss and redemption, uh, you know, being put in prison as a result of Charlottesville and coming back out of it and now licensed to practice law all over the country. He based in Florida, can practice in front of the Supreme Court. Just a a tremendous success story, really. And, uh, well, you'll learn more about him tonight when he tells us the latest news in Charlottesville. Actually, a victory on the judicial front. I didn't even think that was possible. He'll break it down for you this hour. And then in the next hour, the man of the hour, so to speak, Brother Nathaniel Kapner will be back fresh off of uh, an appearance on Alex Jones, Earlier this week, a few days ago, and a blackballing by a subsequent blackballing by Alex Jones. Uh, He was supposed to go back on Alex Jones's show for an encore, uh, a second appearance in the same week, and he got canceled at the very Uh, last. Shows you what a brave heart that Alex Jones really isn't. Well, we'll you know we're not going to pass judgment, but I'll tell you this: uh, Alex Jones canceled him. We won't. Uh, Brother Nathaniel Kapner is going to be on the show in the second hour, and he is just really hot right now. We're talking about uh, a lot of people talking about that interview with Alex Jones. I saw it and was absolutely godsmacked. You know, we've known Brother Nathaniel for 15 years. He's been coming on the show for 15 years. But uh, we'll we'll get into all of that. And then a surprise guest in the third hour. Just stay tuned. We'll get to all of it. But, yeah, let's just go ahead and start right there. Again, we're going to heat up the cold winter weather tonight, that's for sure. Uh, So... Brother Nathaniel made an appearance on Alex Jones earlier this week, and he was talking about the topics that you expect Brother Nathaniel to talk about. I really don't know why Alex has guests like Brother Nathaniel and David Duke on, because every time he has somebody like that on, he panics. He makes himself, frankly, look bad. Well, he thinks he's going to bring them over to his modified version of what their message is, and look... David Duke and Brother Kapner have been around too long. They have considered every aspect of the topics that they talk about, particularly with Jewish power and influence, and they know. They've got an opinion on everything. They're not in the formative stage. They know, and what they know is what really needs to get out. Well, here's what happened. I mean, I appreciate the freedom of speech type of thing that Alex goes for. I agree with a lot of what Alex Jones says. I mean, he does frankly come across to me as a little bit of a carnival barker, a little bit of a showman with all the supplements and whatnot. But I agree with him on a lot of things. But when he talks about Jewish concerns, uh, he just... He's meek as a lamb. Well, I mean, I just don't... 
he had David Duke on and he immediately scrubbed the interview and he had Brother Nathaniel on and Brother Nathaniel's talking truth to power, you know, from my, in my opinion. And then it gets to the point where Alex Jones appears to be panicking a little bit. He's arguing with Brother Nathaniel. Brother Nathaniel's just there cool as a cucumber. He did a great job. He did a great job on the show, but towards the end of the interview, Brother Nathaniel just, I guess, wants to make a point or just kind of, I, I don't know really what what his approach was, but Brother Nathaniel's talking about the effects of the organized Jewish community, uh, community, not the guy that runs your local delicatessen who could be a good guy, but the effects of organized the organized Jewish lobby uh, on America and the world. And Brother Nathaniel's just getting, you know, really kind of panicked. He, he's and like, he's gets, laying body blows on him, and uh, uh, Alex is shadow boxing. And then at the end, Alex Jones, I guess, I don't know why he brought this up, why you have to ask somebody their opinions on Adolf Hitler when you're talking about current events in the current year. Uh, but he gets to this thing, well, Brother Nathaniel, you got to agree that uh, Adolf Hitler was uh, a demon. Devlin, he, he was, you know, possessed by Satan and all of this, you know, wacky stuff. He was satanic. You could see evil in his eyes. You look at the pictures of Hitler and Brother Nathaniel, what did he say? I should play it so we get it right. Well, well what he said was, look at pictures of him or mo motion pictures of him with children. Children can detect evil. They do not cotton up to evil people. They cottoned up two uh that, that's my that's well that's brother his. well it, it was something along those lines well, but, well, anyway. said he cottoned up to the children liked him and that is very telling to him and Alex Jones just about uh, well. That's what that's what he got fell out of his seat. Well, you've seen the memes with the walkie-talkie. Shut it down. Shut it down now. And that was pretty much the end of the interview. But again, I don't even see why Alex. I mean, that's just such a. Uh, a Bush League move, really. You're talking about serious and, and issues, look, and then you got to bring up, you know, somebody's opinion of Hitler, like and, a gotcha and, question, like, okay, let's see what you do with this one. Well, you know, Alex Jones, someone needs to tell him, look, you're not getting any uh, mileage from your enemies. You're not getting any dispensation. You're not getting any pardon from them by coming in soft. So you might as well let the guy that you have interviewed say his piece. And why? I mean, why, I don't understand why Alex. And again, there's some things I like about him, some things I, you know, he certainly has a different approach than I do on some of these issues, but I don't understand why you can't just let Brother Nathaniel speak his mind. He's your guest. Why do you have to debate him? Why not just ask him questions? You're the interviewer. He's the, 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 the interviewee. Well, I, what he is, he's like uh, Grandpappy Amos on the old TV program, The Real McCoys. He roars like a lion, but he's gentle as a lamb. When it comes to the Jewish question... Butter will not melt in Alex Jones's <laughs> mouth. On the other things, he just goes into high dudgeon. He just about has a stroke in every show about something, <laughs> you know. And they tend to be inconsequential issues, okay? Well, you know, like I say, Keith, we try to fly above the turbulence. I don't like to uh, to do all of this stuff where you're competing with other people who uh, – and I certainly don't do the thing where I agree with this guy on all of this stuff, but I disagree with him on a couple of things, and so therefore he's all bad. I mean, a lot of people do that. I'm not saying that about Alex Jones. I'm just saying when he does interviews like this, I don't really understand why he even has them on. Well, I, because, look, I understand. But, but why that, does he even have them on if that's all he's going to do is just kind of get upset and hot and bothered and then – He thinks he's going to get them to pull their punches in some way and that he'll get credit from the power brokers, Jewish power and influence in America and in the world, particularly in the Western world, and that somehow that's going to cause – them to see him in a new light but they never will look they have censored him they have uh t tormented him they've taken multi-million dollar judgments against him that he not, has no hope of paying 
But, you know, nonetheless, it's like Trump. It's like so many, uh, you know, everybody that runs for Congress in America, they think that somehow, no badly how badly they get treated by Jewish power and influence, they've got to try well, to pacify them. They've here's got the to thing. try to prove that they're not a threat. And guess what? It never works. You're definitely not going to curry favor. Neither of us know really what Alex Jones is thinking. And so, uh, but, I mean, we can, uh, we can say that this is what happened. Now, anyway, fast forward to... Wednesday, I believe it was, he was going to have Brother Nathaniel back on. He was going to have him back on, to his credit, to Alex Jones's credit. He was, even after that first interview, he was going to have him back on to talk about Brother Nathaniel's take on the next pandemic and the, I can't pronounce it in Yiddish. Shabbat. We're going to call it Shabbat. That's not the way they say it. Shabbat. But whatever it is, <laughs> but the, the tunnel in New York. tunnels around this or, uh, orthodox conservative uh, synagogue. All right, and we're not going to get into the fever swamps of the Internet as to what that tunnel was really being used for, you know, really, quote-unquote. But uh, Brother Nathaniel th- uh, says he has the handle on it, so we're going to uh, talk to we're him. We're just going to ask the expert, Brother Nathaniel, what he thinks, and we're going to sit back, and we're all going to listen. Well, and, but here's the thing. But a couple of minutes before he was going to go on the show with Alex to talk about this, the producer called him and said, uh, we're overbooked. Now, I've been in this business for 20 years in media and in talk radio as the host of a show. And never once in 20 years have I overbooked a show to where, you know, it's like an airplane where you you sell 10% higher than your capacity because you expect some cancellations. And if the cancellations don't come, you're overbooked. Nobody, no professional really does that. Now, it's just a maybe, damnable lie. Hold on, we is. don't know. I mean, you're I, you know, guessing. You don't know. Well, I'm giving you my opinion. I don't think that there's any doubt that they just decided that they could not control Brother Nathaniel. He was uh, he had too much tiger in his tank. Well, I mean, why book him again and then have him be somewhere at, and then ready to go, and then moments before you cancel him? Something had to have well, legitimately well, come up. We don't know what, and it's only well, speculation. A lot of people are tuned in waiting to hear Brother Nathaniel. Maybe he wanted those people in his audience, but, you know, he just makes himself look weak. Alex All Jones right. makes himself look weak by pulling stunts. Like I will this. tell you what, I, I have never done that. It's, uh, but I, I, there, there have been shows where I'll tell you, I'll tell you a, a story, an interesting story, maybe a funny story. And then we're going to get into some, some topics and we're going to get to Brother Nathaniel. And I'll tell you about the phone call I had with Brother Nathaniel after I received his email about Alex Jones canceling. Uh, his uh, second interview of the week at the last minute. A little more about this, then we're going to get into some hard topics. So much more to come. Augustus Invictus, Brother Nathaniel, and more. Stay tuned. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. 
Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Got to get into three quick hitting topics this segment before we welcome our first guest of the evening, Augustus Invictus. But just to wrap up with the Alex Jones overbooking excuse as to why Brother Nathaniel couldn't come back on the second time at the last minute to talk about these Shawshank Redemption style tunnels in New York and uh, other pressing affairs of state, overbook. You don't overbook. Now, I'll tell you some things that I have done before. If there is breaking news that Knocks it off. a guest in our rotation is uniquely qualified to speak on and we're all, we already have a full show i will call a guest and reschedule. say listen is it possible to reschedule would that cause you any conflict or hardships if it is we'll stick with you because when you make an agreement with somebody i'm going to be there and you're going to be there you should stick to your word that's what men do there, there was no excuse like uh, that, oh we've had this late breaking news over in the middle east for example well, and we've got to pull the- well actually you know what alex jones did he went on and talked about the the same topics with another jewish guest who is a little more I guess palatable right, to Alex a Jones bit is more pliable. Anyway, uh, but what I will do is I, I will ask if somebody uh, would wouldn't Compliant. mind being rescheduled, and if they agree, we might bring somebody in. And I did that one time with David Duke. I got to tell you a funny story about this. It was a few years ago when Steve Scalise was big time in the news. Now they actually brought this back up when Steve Scalise was briefly mentioned as a candidate for Speaker of the House back when Kevin McCarthy got the boot. That Steve Scalise many many years ago. Uh, spoke at one of David Duke's conferences. And everybody in the media, this was in the early 2000s, I think, but it didn't actually become news until several years you, later. You think he'd engage in a black mass or something? Well, anyway, all of the media was trying to find out, was he really there, was he not there? And there was a lot of different theories. Well, he spoke there, and Duke was there too. Or he spoke to Duke's group, but Duke wasn't there. Or it was actually uh, a Duke associate who was having a meeting, and he was at that one. And so nobody could really get the story straight. And so, you know, of course, I called David Duke, and, you know, we have him on, and, and we have him on, and, and we had rescheduled somebody to do that because it was all in the news. The only two people that talked to David Duke about that story were yours truly and Bill O'Reilly, if you can believe it. Yeah. This was uh, late in Bill O'Reilly's run at Fox, and Bill O'Reilly had him on, and I was watching it live. Uh, when Bill had David on to ask him because he wanted, you know, to get the scoop straight from David. Was Steve Scalise there or not? That was the whole interview. And David was in the studio with Bill O'Reilly, and he 
brought a copy of Jewish Supremacism with him, the book, to the studio. And, you know, Bill O'Reilly gets him on, and he's like, well, you know, was he there or was he not there? And David's like, well, you know, I want to tell you, but let's first talk about Jewish Supremacism. <laughs> And he shows the book, and to illustrate it, he goes, you know, I want to talk about my book, Jewish Supremacism. You talk about a battle of the times. If you, if you had David Duke and Brother Nathaniel on the same program, it would be, it would, it would be uh, like a, uh, a nuclear uh, uh, holocaust. Well, and so, you know, Bill's shifting in his – O'Reilly's shifting in his share. But, you know, David gets to spend a few seconds, you know, getting his word out. And then Bill interrupts him, of course. He says, no, 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 listen, we're not talking about that. Was Steve Scalise at your meeting? And he goes, you know, I, I definitely want to get to that. But, you know, we need to – let's talk a little bit more about Jewish supremacism. And it went on two or three times. You know, Bill would always yell at guests. He comes off as very abrasive. It's, it's, it's a tough act for a cuck to pull off. You know you're a cuck, but you're going to try to yell at people, so it doesn't really work. Well, you're going to try to go up against strong-willed people like David Duke and Brother Nathaniel. And believe me, uh, you better bring on your, you better be wearing your big boy pants when you do that. Well, it, it, at the third time David Duke uh, was asked, was Steve Scalise really at the meeting? You know, was it your meeting? You know, tell us. He's, you know. He shows the book again. He says, well, you know, I really can't remember. <laughs> he might have been there, and he never really gave him an answer. Anyway, as soon as David got off the O'Reilly Factor, I was watching it live, I called him on his cell phone. I was laughing. You know, I was laughing. And uh, <laughs> he answered the phone. He had just been off the air with O'Reilly for just a few seconds. And he goes, well, I couldn't put it any more plainly than that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's just a fun behind-the-scenes story. Like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a definite maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he never answered the question as to whether or not he was really there, but he used the whole appearance to you know, show boost, his, boost. promote his book, Jewish Supremacist. Anyway, that's a fun story. I got, whenever I write my autobiography, folks, I don't know if I've ever told that story on the air before. I called David as soon as he got off, though, Riley. He answered the phone, and uh, we were laughing about that. But anyway. Well, one thing that neither Brother Nathaniel nor David will do <laughs> is allow themselves to be used by their interlocutor. That's right. And that's where Alex Jones makes Well, I called Brother Nathaniel and uh, once he got canceled, and that's what led to his appearance tonight. And I said, you know, first of all, I meant to call you a couple of days ago and tell you you did a magnificent job with Alex Jones the first go around. And I just received your email telling me that the second appearance had, had been canceled. And he was just really excited to hear from me. He said, and I said, you know, do you want to come on do you want to come on the show this weekend? You know, are you available Saturday night? He said, James, I would come on with you at 3 a.m. on Christmas morning. He said, yes. He said, the Lord gives me the audience that I need. And that really meant a lot because Alex Jones's audience is obviously bigger than ours. Well, the thing is, we don't back up. You know, we're like that bumper, uh, that license plate they used to have in the South when I was growing up, ain't scared. Anyway, we are not scared. So that's to, to set the table for the second hour. Now, we got five minutes and three topics. Let's see if we can do this. The Iowa primary. Now, we did, or the caucus, rather. We didn't really talk about this uh, too much. Um, not really much to talk about. Uh, <laughs> Donald Trump's going to uh, walk through the Iowa caucuses like Godzilla. But it, it's interesting to me, the thing we were talking about at the pre-show uh, supper tonight was the GOP always tries to promote the one candidate in their field who is most like a Democrat. This time it's Nikki Haley. Uh, in 1996, they could have gone with Pat Buchanan. They went with that resurrected cadaver, Bob Dole. Very interesting. They're just beholden to either APAC, the Israel lobby, the Chamber of Commerce, you know, corporate America. And this Nikki are, Haley stuff has been <laughs> disgusting to watch. Look, the Democrats one and minute. Republicans are like uh, two sides of the same coin. Uh, George Wallace was right. The difference between the 
Democrats and the Republicans are the difference between Tweedledum and Tweedledee. He also said there's not a dime's worth of difference between them. Basically, the Republicans do the mop-up work for the uh, Democrats. The Democrats are directly our opponents. And on the other hand, when they have a chance to be our champions, the Republican uh, Party hierarchy is always missing in action. All right. You had a great line about this during the pre-show prep, and I hope you can give it to us again. I can't even remember what it was, but I was saying I wish you would say it exactly that way on the show tonight. The bombs are dropping. Biden, who has so mismanaged everything, uh, now bombing Yemen. You got, like, I don't know what you call somebody in Yemen. I'm guessing Yemenese. You got a million Yemenese in the streets. And, um, <laughs> again, 13 days into the new year, if you're listening live, and already they're expanding the war in the Middle East. And this is a powder keg ready to go. Well, it's like I told you at the pre-trial. Um, it's a, pre-trial uh, conference. Hang on. Uh, okay. All right. So, you know, we want to silence that when we're on the air. This is another scam wanted all right let's see all right just hand me that and you you get back on the mic we got one minute on this one hurry hurry hurry, hurry. Okay, go, here's, go, go, here's go. what it is there are adults in the room his phone thing. literally said scam likely yeah well see what it is who are the adults in the room the adults in the room are the arabs they're the ones that are limiting their uh drone attacks to shipping from the israelis or to the israelis they're not getting all the rest of the world's product coming and going they know what the manifest is on all of these ships and they only intend to hurt the Israelis. They may have now broadened that to America because America is doing the heavy lifting for Israel as usual. We're the ones providing all the money, uh, providing the warships and whatnot, while Netanyahu's just sitting there in Tel Aviv barking out orders, okay? Or maybe it's Jerusalem now after uh, uh, Trump made Jerusalem the actual capital of uh, Israel. But look, the ones showing restraint and it's incredible how much restraint they're showing, are the Arab nations around there, Iran, uh, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, uh, you know, Syria. All of these companies, all of the Arab world is trying to send a message to the Israelis, but they're not trying to broaden the war to make it a general war, which is, and that's why what that what restraint is being used is not being reported. They want you to think, as a member of the American or the Western European public, that the Arabs have gone hog wild and pig crazy and are bombing everything inside. And we're going to get into more of this in the third hour, so stay tuned. Uh, but one thing I got to work in very quickly. This was I saw this and I thought it had to be a parody. What's DEI stand for? I never can remember. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. So here's Jonathan Greenblatt of the ADL, and he writes in a tweet this week, it's critical for any push for diversity in any industry to be inclusive of Jews. If your project of inclusion perpetuates the exclusion of Jews, you are failing. So we applaud the many celebrities for their courage in standing up, speaking out, and writing to the Academy. He's talking about Hollywood A-list actors to demand change as if there's, I mean, I guess he's saying that Jews are being excluded in Hollywood. That is, uh, yeah. Hollywood doesn't. (laughs) That's like saying, uh, you know, there's uh, no tea in China. I mean, if you can believe this, uh, you know, why would they even want to bring attention to themselves? They're 2% of the population, but 100% of the CEOs and all the uh, major movie studios, they're at least 50% of the actors and actresses, voice actors, and also people behind the scenes, cameramen uh, and other support staff in Hollywood. And uh, we all know about John Travolta's famous comment, which I won't repeat here, 
But nonetheless, you know, uh, yeah, you know, they want to be treated like they're a despised minority, but they have, and supposedly the acid test of that is that you have no power or wealth. They have all the power and wealth, folks, and now they want to bring that. That's not enough. They're underrepresented in Hollywood if you sort of just read between the lines on this, according to the head of the ADL. And then if the truth came out, I mean, it would hit like a... Well, it's 100% of the studio heads and about half the actors, right? Oh, yeah. It's just incredible. <laughs> or the, you know, the, you know, the, the stars. It's a, it's a Jewish operation from start to finish. has been since 1939 when Walt Disney was the one... Uh, studio, major studio owned by Gentile. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, with Augustus Invictus. Stay tuned. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Laura Winters. We begin this Saturday with the nightmare weather conditions in Iowa, snow and freezing temperatures in the state that is literally the center of the political world for the next few days ahead of the caucuses come Monday. All of the Republican candidates busy campaigning despite the weather conditions. Nikki Haley telling reporters, This is an unbelievable amount of snow, um, but we are going to continue to try and touch as many people as we can. I was shocked at how many people were willing to come uh, given how much snow is on the ground, uh, but I'm going to use every minute I can to be able to, to win votes. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis saying, We have a lot of people that we have signed up to commit to for us over many months. I think they're motivated, they're passionate, and they're going to show up. What about the broader electorate? I just don't know, uh, but I'm confident our people are going to come out strong. In other news, President Biden calling the strikes against the Houthi rebels in Yemen a success. The president on a campaign stop at a school in Allentown, Pennsylvania. The DOD Department of Defense says to expect some sort of Houthi rebel retaliation. But the group, which is backed by Iran, has been attacking ships in the Red Sea for months now. The Biden administration, along with military partners in Britain, finally carrying out massive strikes in Yemen. I would hope that they don't retaliate but we're prepared in the event that they do. Lieutenant General Douglas Sims at a Pentagon press conference late Friday afternoon. The hope would be that any real thought of retaliation is based on a clear understanding that, uh, you know, we, we simply are not going to be uh, messed with here. This is uh, this is all about creating freedom of navigation for the for the international shipping. And if you're wondering where is Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, he remains at Walter Reed Medical Center being treated for complications related to prostate cancer surgery. This is USA News. Omaha Steaks is rewriting the book on burgers with an all-new handmade texture for the juiciest home-style burgers you've ever tasted. Their pure ground burgers are made from single cuts of real aged Omaha Steaks. These are truly steaks on a bun. Filet mignon, ribeye, New York strip, sirloin, and even brisket burgers. Now is the time to experience the exclusive burger perfection flight for just $79.99. Go to OmahaSteaks.com and use promo 
code TREAT at checkout to get an extra $20 off your order plus free shipping. You'll get four of each Pure Ground Burger so you can sample all the steak-on-a-bun greatness. These burgers are crafted for a juicier, more tender experience, making your mouth water with every single bite. Don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com, use promo code TREAT at checkout, and get $20 off the Burger Perfection Flight and discover your new burger obsession. Minimum order may be required. The Honorable Cause of Free South is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern Nationalist authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie. The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspool, and Wilson Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixie's Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-888-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. Ladies and gentlemen, back uh, with you now and back with us is Augustus Invictus of the Augustus uh, Invictus Law Firm. Check it out at AugustusInvictus.com. This is a man, I think it's an American success story. I think it is a story that certainly inspires me, and I am happy to have him back on the show. I haven't talked to him since uh, just days after uh, my libel lawsuit came to its conclusion, and he came on the show to share my lamentations with me. But let me read you a couple of things from... Uh, his website. I have been where you are. I have been maliciously prosecuted by the police and by attorneys. I have been thrown in isolation and starved for crimes I did not commit. I have been illegally targeted for mistreatment by corrections officers. I have been convicted in the court of public opinion without the opportunity of a trial. I have seen slander admitted as evidence in court. I have watched prosecutors repeatedly break the law to push false charges. I have witnessed the total breakdown of the rule of law. I've had a front row seat to corruption you could not imagine. I know what it's like to feel that your lawyer and everyone else has forgotten you. I know the feeling 
of being without news for weeks and months at a time. I know the pain of being incarcerated on your kids' birthdays. I know what you're going through. Your lawyer says he understands, but does he? I was set up on false charges and left for dead. I have survived, and so can you. And he writes that uh, he has gone from accused to advocate, from inmate to attorney. And he is licensed to practice law in the state of Florida, folks, if you need a good one. Augustus, it is great to have you back. Good to be back, man. Thanks for having me. Well, it's uh, entirely our honor, and I want to give credit. We won't mention his name, but a mutual friend up in the New York, New Jersey area said, hey, you've got to get back in touch with Augustus. You've got to get back on the show. You've got some news about Charlottesville you want to share. What's going on? I do. Unfortunately, uh, that, <laughs> that write-up on the uh, website, I've got to say, a success story is uh, not something I get called often, I suppose. Um, but that, that was actually previous <laughs> false charges. But uh, now we've uh, a bunch of us have been arrested for having been at Charlottesville uh, going on seven years ago now um, <clears throat> for the uh, Unite the Right rally. Considering what you've before. gone through, Augustus, this is Keith Alexander. I just want to say, considering what you've gone through, success is measured by the fact that you've survived it all and gotten out. And I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank well, what's you. going on thank with you. that? So you were you were the ones that caught up in this dragnet seven years later about having been at the Tiki Torch March, which you would have thought would have been a First Amendment protected expression, but obviously this isn't uh, your your granddaddy's yeah, you, America. Yeah, you, you always wonder what would happen to uh, if they treated John Lewis and Martin Luther King well, like you. Well, you. Exactly. you know what? You just texted me something about that. Go with that, Augustus. Yeah, so I, I actually use that same example, man. I say, look, if Martin Luther King were walking through Birmingham, Alabama, and the Ku Klux Klan were protesting it, right? And then they leave, and then the Ku Klux Klan takes over the judiciary, and they take over the prosecutor's office, and then six years later, they go and arrest Martin Luther King and all of his people and drag them back to Birmingham from all across the country and prosecute them for a felony. No one would stand for that, and that is exactly what they have done in Charlottesville. Just, it's the Antifa who took over the prosecutor's office and the judiciary, and they dragged all of us back to Charlottesville. It's insanity. It, would, it could never be countenanced in America until now. Sir, the First Amendment only applies to the right people, apparently. <laughs> yeah, some people are more well, I, you know, equal I, than I others, say of course. You're an attorney, licensed to practice, a member in good standing of the Florida Bar and in other states as well. But I, I often say, now you correct me if I'm wrong, I'm a layman. Uh, you're, you're a professional, but I say the thing that matters most, and this isn't a, a uniform thing. I know there are still some just judges in certain municipalities. The more blue your, your court, uh, the more likely you're, you're not going to get a fair shake. But it seems as though increasingly uh, what matters is not precedent or rule of law. It is whose side you're on. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and they talked about that in uh, Solzhenitsyn's work as well, and now it's come to America. Uh, but, you know, you'd, you'd made the point earlier about um, – you know, it's, it's First Amendment protected speech, right? And amazingly, the previous two prosecutors thought exactly that. Uh, the person who was in power at the time, uh, Robert Tracy, he said, look, I know you guys are mad about this, but this is First Amendment protected speech. They're walking through a college campus. This is protected constitutional activity. Uh, we can't prosecute this. This is not a crime. None of these people committed a crime. The second person came in there, uh, won an election. He refused to prosecute, said this is not a crime. Tim Heafy, who wrote the Heafy Report, said this is not a crime. If you want to expand this statute to say, well, you can't burn open flames or you can't burn torches or something, then okay. But right now, as the law is written, this is absolutely not a crime. 
And then they finally got Jim Hensley to take over the office. Did this election, got him in there, brought Antifa who were actually present at the rally to become prosecutors in the office. All these people used to be public defenders, amazingly. They took over the prosecutor's office, and then they deliberately waited all this time and then got a grand jury, and they've done what they've done now. Well, you know, we've taken this position, um, uh, Augustus, that it is a bad mistake for people on our part to get involved in protests. We were we had people try to draw us into January the 6th and in, into mm-hmm. Charlottesville. We said, we'll certainly report on it and send a reporter up there, but it's a trap. They're laying a trap for people, and I think it's proven to be prophetic. But it, on the other hand, there's no reason any American citizen should have felt that way about participating in a uh, nonviolent protest. Well, we've talked about Charlottesville so many times on this show. Uh, we, we reported full three hours uh, live uh, on the night I mean, when it was all so raw, eyewitness testimony. Mm-hmm. And for years since, Jason Kessler, every, you know, so many of the major players that were there uh, were uh, have been on the show, and we continue to talk about it year after year. Yeah, but there's no doubt about it. I mean, you, you look at it, It's you had a permit, it's a public square, this isn't a private event, so on and on and on. And on. Every, everybody, everybody knows these things. I don't want to relitigate all of that. But there is, you know, you sent me a nice summation, Augustus, of what you wanted to cover tonight. I don't know if we could do much better than to read it verbatim, but there has been uh, an interesting new development here. Uh, go in with that in any direction you'd like. Uh, which new development? Oh, you mean the, the disqualifications? Yeah, <laughs> that, the disqualification yes. of the, yeah, uh, the prosecutors. So, yeah, so I was, uh, th- these people, man, I was in Virginia uh, back in June. I was, I was in Virginia, and I get back home to Florida, and they arrest me when I get back home, and they put me in jail for a month. They arrest me in front of my kids, by the way. Uh, in broad daylight, take me to jail, keep me there for a month, extradite me back to Virginia. All they had to do was call me on the phone and say, hey, come turn yourself in. And then they try to get me denied bond. I get out. And then we find out, hold on a second, this prosecutor was there. He was there on August 11th. He, he was one of the Antifa organizers who was a liaison between the, the police and the Antifa groups. And he was one of the people who took over the prosecutor's office with Hingley. He was one of the goons. Yeah. Well, he was, he was one of, not one of the goons. I mean, this guy, he's a, I got to admit, he's a, he's a smart guy. He's a brilliant guy. Uh, he's one of the organizers. So, you know, when we found that out, and then we find out, not only that, but he is apparently working with the chief judge's daughter, the chief judge's wife is all over the internet saying F white people and you know, all the white supremacists, <laughs> domestic terrorists, all this. The, ch- the chief judge's wife is saying these things. Talking with Molly Conger, an Antifa journalist there in Charlottesville who has exclusive access to these files from the prosecutor's office as if by magic she knows all of the people who are going to be arrested before we even knew we had warrants out because they put out secret warrants, but they told her. So this sort of corruption, just, I, I just, you couldn't imagine it in America 10 years ago. And now it's here. So Is there any recourse these against these people? Is there any way that you can bring suit against them? Or well, I think you was just Absolutely. getting into their yeah. pain. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Go Absolutely. Ahead. Yeah, so, you know, and people ask me a lot uh, to sue cops and to sue the government, to sue everybody. And I always tell them, look, you got to win first. Like, there is no civil lawsuit until you win. 
once you get to the court, whether it's federal or state, they're going to tell you the criminal case is still outstanding. You know, even if you didn't want to wait for it, like I can't have you testifying here because all that's going to be used in your criminal trial. And for malicious prosecution, one of the elements, at least here in Florida, is that you have to be actually innocent and the case has to be resolved. So first things first, you got to win the case. But then, yes, absolutely. It's obviously malicious prosecution. They're calling us terrorists. They were Antifa organizers the night of the event. They took over the prosecutor's office in order to prosecute us. I mean, it's not like they were like, oh, well, you know what? We could do well, better it, jobs A, a as lot of people don't understand this, so Augustus, which is that prosecutors are held to a higher standard than private attorneys. They can't be part Absolutely. Of it. They've got to have Well, okay, uh, to your point, Keith, and Augustus, uh, to yours as well, uh, people forget, and we talked about this, I listened to every minute of the Charlottesville civil trial back a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and Judge Moon, who presided over that trial, his own clerk was part of the Antifa. Uh, yeah, and, the entire uh, town is like that. an amazing thing. Yeah, the entire town is like that. I mean, <laughs> you have somebody. Here's called another early, amazing. It was a little Ivy. Go ahead, Augustus. Yeah, go, hold on. Go ahead, Augustus. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. That's um, so. One of the amazing things I've never seen this in any courthouse. I, I've practiced, you know, coast to coast, up and down the East Coast. I've, I've been in courtrooms everywhere, and I have never seen this. These judges in Charlottesville, they share the same chambers. They share the same staff. They have access to all the same files. So if you've got one judge who's got a tainted family or a tainted law clerk or a tainted secretary or something, the other judge has the same thing. So that's why the judges themselves are recused. Well, that's part of the reason the judges are recused. But they've appointed now outside judges, and now that they've disqualified the prosecutors, now they have to appoint a special prosecutor. I I want to direct people uh, to VDARE. And i got to give uh, Peter Brimelow a lot of credit uh, for continuing to platform Jason Kessler. I talk to Jason pretty often. I don't want to say weekly, but uh, at least monthly, uh, sometimes more than that. And I like Jason. Uh, I know a lot of people have kind of abandoned him, you know, uh, and all of that. But I like Jason, and I really like uh, his insights that he writes for VDARE. And just on uh, what date is this? This is uh, just uh, two days ago, if you're listening live, uh, January the 11th. VDARE posted uh, this headline, More Charlottesville Narrative Collapse. Prosecutors as well as judges forced to recuse and unite the right tiki torch persecutions. Now, that's what we're talking about right now with Augustus Invictus, who was a player there as well and one of the persecuted, now an attorney. I do think that is a tremendous success story. And you're doing great work, Augustus. But, uh, again, if you want to read this for yourself, you want to read what we're talking about so you can get the full money, you can go to VDARE and find Jason Kessler's latest piece. But, again, what are, are we talking about and exactly how profound is this development? Uh, it's incredible. Um, this is something so rare that uh, you know, I've, I've met. Because I've you don't expect us to win in the court, especially refused. not this court. Well, I mean, just in regular cases, even in normal everyday cases, you know, robberies or rape or DUI or murder, like you, you rarely see a judge being recused. I I have literally never seen all the judges (laughs) recused. Uh, I I don't know if I've ever seen the prosecutor's office being recused. This might be the first time I've ever seen that. I've I've been doing law for well over a decade now. Um, So it's tremendously important. So what's it mean? What does it mean? What's the bottom line here? I mean, how does what what is 
where, what can we build well, on from this? Bottom line in terms of the Charlottesville cases is, and the prosecutor's office knows this, like the jig is up. Everybody knows now how corrupt this town is. Everybody knows that it was a politically motivated prosecution. I mean, Hingley himself is lying to the judge's face in court saying, we have no idea what their political uh, ideologies are. While, you know, two, three months ago, he's giving an interview saying, uh, well, these are all white supremacists and domestic terrorists, and we need to prosecute them as such. And so as far as that like you're asking, like, what's the the bigger ramifications here? As far as that, these cases are effectively over, right, going and they forward. know it. Like they're in the death throes. Um, it's still not over. Really? Yet. Well, well, basically, the what they're going to do? Live, they're going to but... replace the whole prosecutorial staff with a mm-hmm. fair group. And Charlottesville is a particularly uh, egregious situation. Okay, uh, I think it was Sam Francis that called it at one point a little ivy-colored, uh, covered uh, North Korea. <laughs> that's that's not a bad uh, a bad description. Even back then, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, he died. He died eleven years before Charlottesville. Well, more than wow. that, so right? It's always been. He like died uh, two thousand five. I thought. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Twelve, yeah, eleven, twelve years. Anyway, uh, yeah, back to you, Augustus. Uh, tell us more, and then I'm going to get to something that we just learned since we've been on the air. Since we've been on the air, sure. there's breaking news that I think is interesting. But go ahead, Augustus. Yeah, what well, you're asking about the greater ramifications for, for all of us, not just Charlottesville, but after this, I, you know, I, when I was in jail, for instance, not, not because of Charlottesville, but before that, years ago when all of that stuff happened to me that you had read uh, earlier on the show, um, a lot of people were just like, look, they, they gave me up for dead. They just assumed I was never getting out. I was going to die in prison. They were going to bury me there. And they were like, this guy can't possibly get a fair trial. Um, it's just over. Like if you're a right wing activist, it's you're done for. Like do, just give up and die. Um, I think that you know showed a lot of people there is hope. And now that this is happening in Charlottesville, and the whole world sees it now, the whole all the corruption is now exposed for everybody to see. Everybody knows that whole. Well, the world should is a see fraud. it, Augustus, but I doubt that it's going to be uh, reported by the mainstream at all. Well, I mean that matters. Uh, I won't a be reported bit, by mainstream. It's not the whole story. Well, and plus, all our people see it. Everybody on the right wing knows what's happened. And, you know, the J6 situation is pretty bad. But Very similar. There are some white pills yeah. there, too. Oh, yeah, the whole setup was similar. The prosecutions are similar. But there are people winning. There is some hope there. And now that Charlottesville has just completely gone up in flames, uh, metaphorically, obviously, um, you know, everybody should uh, should take we gotta this be clear as about a, that a white pill. We, we do, unfortunately. You know, there's a part in there where they, uh, this prosecutor keeps saying in all these hearings, well, Invictus said we forgot our our, uh, our pitchforks, so that's all we have are our torches. Like, obviously, yeah, that's a see, joke. That's interesting. And well, that's he's, he's using thing. that I mean, as like, oh, they, they intended to, to terrorize people. It's like, dude, well, you know, it's like January the 6th. In January the 6th, <laughs> they were using the word insurrection before January the 6th. Well, I mean, it was, yeah, Trump said go, you know, all of that. Pat Buchanan's rhetoric. Every campaign has always had that rhetoric. Pat Buchanan, Pitchfork Pat, you know, saddle up and ride to the sound of the guns. That's what he told everybody after he won New Hampshire in 1996. Yeah, that's illegal now. Part and parcel political rhetoric. Uh, I got to ask you this. Uh, AugustusInvictus.com, you right at the very top of your masthead there, you are an attorney for the damned. You're licensed in more states than people might realize. Where all are you licensed? I'm licensed in Florida, Massachusetts, Illinois, New York. I'm at, uh, licensed in, uh, 
where am I? <laughs> the United States Supreme Court, of course, uh, the federal district here uh, in, the, in Central Florida, um, and the fourth uh, appellate court, federal, uh, which is uh, Virginia and Maryland. Did you have so, to take the bar in all of those states? Keith all is an attorney. States, where are you barred yeah. at? Where are you not barred? I'm, but, I'm barred everywhere. But. <laughs> where are you licensed in, Keith? I'm 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 licensed in Mississippi and Tennessee, and uh, I've practiced uh, in the Fifth Circuit in Texas and Arkansas, all sorts of places. But um, that's by comedy, as they used to call it. You know, pro hoc VC with some local. So you, you as an attorney want to know, Augustus, did you have to go to all those states and pass their bars? How does that work? I'm interested. The states, yeah. But then there are some places like the United States Supreme Court, for instance, where I just I needed a sponsor and you have to be practicing for so long. And then I have one of the J6 cases. I did have to wave in pro Hague Vice for that. So I needed a sponsor for that. Um, but the states, yeah, well, you got to take the bar <laughs> in the states. Hey, we got an attorney uh, in the D.C. area who just sent us an email saying he is very impressed with all of the states you're licensed in. And, you know, that is one thing that our movement has done increasingly well in recent years is you have a lot of very talented Kyle Bristow, Glenn Allen, Augustus Invictus. Mm-hmm. There are more and more people that have become very talented. Of course, ta- Sam Dixon before. Well, I, I, I mean, yeah, he's the lion. Before. He's the lion, of course. But... Yeah, so there, there, there's that. Now, uh, shifting gears very quickly, it is good to see that there are so many uh, capable attorneys who uh, are standing strong and uh, putting themselves well, out I there. Have to, I'm, I'm very impressed about what's happened in Charlottesville with the prosecutorial staff because that's one thing that I just didn't think we'd ever get a win in. Well, I, get, I got one for you, and I just shared this with Augustus uh, in the last break before we came back live. And this uh, is something that I learned even after tonight's show started. And Augustus didn't even know about it. And so perhaps there are some of you listening who didn't know about this. Here is the entire post by Vivek Ramaswamy. He writes, and this was uh, posted uh, obviously very recently, the MSM, the mainstream media, spits in the face of the people every single day with ad nauseum and flagrant lies. And you think the 2024 election is any different? Open your eyes and see the trap they're walking us into right now. And he writes examples of this to illustrate. He writes Russia collusion, the Hunter Biden laptop story, Bubba Wallace, Jesse Smollett, Covington Catholic kids, Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot, uh, Don't Stay Gay was in the bill, Migrant Kids in Cages, uh, Georgia election integrity was the new Jim Crow, Duke lacrosse kids, Zelensky is a paragon of democracy. J6, peaceful BLM riots. Evermectin is a horse dewormer. Trump used tear gas to clear a crowd for a Bible photo. And number and three. At, is, at the very top of the list is Charlottesville. Uh, that, to me, I, that is noteworthy. It is, because you know how much flack Trump got for just saying, there are good people on both sides, and you people in the media lie, and we got to see what happened. That alone was just, uh, you know, unbelievable. So for Vivek to come out and say, look, this is a false narrative, I mean, that's just such a bold statement. You can't imagine. To put it at the top of the list it. of the things that the MSN, that the mainstream media, is lying about at the top of the list is Charlottesville. This is a guy, you know, he's an also ram, but I mean, he's getting a lot of attention right now. Well, Good the, for him. The thing is, I, I don't know how you overcome the advantage that the mainstream has because so many people just think about turning on their TV or their uh, uh, maybe the radio on their car or something like that. 
going to the computer and trying to dig up the truth is not something a lot of people do. But we've got the word is getting out, and it's I, I'm I believe we're seeing the worm turn a bit on this. And congratulations yeah. on your victory up there in Charlottesville. You that's a major victory if nothing uh, if nothing else good happens in that case by getting the prosecutorial staff recused in this case by court order. Yeah, thank you. I might have to qualify that a bit and say that was just one defendant. So I think there might be nine or ten of us now. And in Virginia, the law is apparently strange where there is no collateral estoppel. So all ten of us can have completely different judges, completely different rulings. Uh, I mean, I think at this point everybody knows it's a farce. There's no question in my mind that every judge is going to disqualify these prosecutors after they find out what they've done. But we still have to go to the hearing on it. You know, we still have to fight it out, but uh, it's all downhill from here, in my opinion. The battle continues. Augustus Invictus will be there. You learned uh, the states in which he is licensed to practice. You need an attorney that's going to stick with you, an attorney that knows what you're going through, AugustusInvictus.com. Check it out. Final word to you, and let's do this uh, far more frequently. It's been way too many years since we last spoke. I'm so glad we got a chance to reconnect tonight. We need a a man in the trenches. Yeah, we need all hands on deck. I mean, there are great people doing great work, and that's the thing I'm so proud about this show. We have the opportunity to showcase them, and you're listening to one right now. Final word to you. We're hearing the shells explode over your head. (laughs) Final word to you. Yeah, we're out there, man. Yeah, well, you were saying that, you know, we got these attorneys and all that we're doing, but uh, I also point out a lot of people reach out to me and they're law students. Um, and I've, I've known a lot of law students who are now lawyers. Oh, yes, um, yes. And, yeah, and we've got a lot of people who reach out to me and they say, hey, man, I'm thinking about going to law school. And I automatically tell them, don't do it. Because if you're not, like, if you're not ready to, to do all that suffering, just don't do it. Because we have a high you know, substance abuse problem in this profession and there's so much corruption in so many places. But a lot of people want to do it. If you and want to be in jeopardy of spending the rest so. of your life in jail, go right ahead. Yeah, right. I mean, you're playing the game. It's it's the great game. So you're in it, and uh, it's it's important. It's one of the most important things you can playing do. Playing for keeps. So, absolutely. Uh, what uh, scale of one to ten? What level of surprise were you at when this got handed down? Uh, th- this decision uh, that we've been talking about tonight. I mean, again, I have to reiterate. I have to. Uh, say it twice of, uh, as a point of emphasis. Emphasis: You don't expect to win in court. You don't expect especially to win in a Charlottesville case. Or in a no, but after the uh, county or venue. 30 seconds. Right, but they had taken out the judges already. So once a new outside judge came in, it was no surprise. It was already over. Really? Okay, interesting. Well, again, you follow it a little bit more closely. We try to follow it as closely as we can. Try to get the judiciary from Prince Edward County. They're the ones that basically <laughs> suspended public schools yeah, back I'll, in the 50s. I'll see what strings uh, I can pull. Uh, Keith always goes Yeah, right. Keith always goes back to Brown. He finds a way to tie everything into Brown versus Board, but uh, this is uh, yeah, I, I learned I read a little bit about this from Jason Kessler's thing and to me I was colored shocked. But uh, anyway, people with their ears a little closer to the ground, perhaps not so much. Augustus Invictus, great to talk to you again. Let's do it again very soon. Stay safe, 100%. Godspeed, keep up the good work, and uh, we'll talk again. Hang in there like Gunga Din. <laughs> we'll be right back, everybody. <laughs>